0: So today's episode is about happiness, why we feel the need to be on a constant hamster wheel running towards this like unachievable goal. The
1: acceptance of feeling lots of different emotions from day to day and just because you don't feel quote unquote happy 100% of the time it doesn't mean that you are in the wrong life Mm -hmm. or that you need to make a drastic change
0: and I'm using this opportunity to tell you that we're moving to France
1: (laughs) (laughs) you have a thing with France
0: I am a Francophile
1: you are a Francophile, I am too
0: one day, we'll retire there
1: I don't know that I could ever live in a foreign country
0: why? Uh, I don't know That and more on this week's episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to One Fry Short,
0: you know, of a happy meal. I'm Jamie Spielmaker. And I'm Rachel Wynn. We're just two women having candid and empathetic conversations about mental health and how we can support each other.
1: We are not experts, not
0: even close.
1: But if you want to feel less alone in your neuroses, you've come to the right place.
0: I want to kick off this week's podcast talking about our Substack. Um, you've probably noticed more and more of your favorite writers heading over to the platform, and it's because um, it gives you a space to earn a living off of your writing. Jamie and I work super hard on this podcast, and we work super hard on it, but we also, it brings us great joy. It's a great creative outlet for us. Um, and Substack is one of the ways where you can show us love for our hard work. Um, we're going to turn on pledges, where you can pledge any amount of money, $1, $2, $5, $6, $7, $8. Um, and you'll be charged a monthly fee for that, and that um, will help support some of the platforms we use to support this podcast. Our Substack is onefryshort.substack.com, and we will see you there. This could be a very big conversation it could lead us down a road that we've talked about wanting to talk about a lot we always talk about this topic and then we'll say and that'll be its own episode oh my god what is it but it came from a post um who okay there's two great women who i'm gonna mention that this came from so sarah peterson is a writer and she has a substat called in pursuit of clean countertops and it talks (laughs) all about The Momfluencer World, and she has a book coming out called Momfluencer, but it talks all about um, the lies that were sold as women and as mothers um, through social media, through the ads we're targeted with. It's really funny. Her writing is is great. And she had Eve Rodsky on, who uh, is famous for her work, Fair Play. So she posts, She had an interview on Sarah's um, substack, and this line stuck out to me, and we posted it on in our Instagram. And it says, when we say, I just want to be happy, or even your child, I just want them to be happy. It's a little bit sociopathic, right? Instead, we should be aiming to experience the appropriate emotion at the appropriate time and have the strength to weather it. That's the true definition of mental health. Mm-hmm. And I felt this needed its own episode because – people who suffer from depression, it feels like our goal is happiness. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's this North Star that we're constantly trying to get to and stay into once we get it. And it feels um, like a failure when we're not in it. It's just something we're constantly striving for. And the line that hit me was the appropriate emotion at the appropriate time. And so I wanted to talk this week about chasing happiness like our our obsession with chasing happiness and and getting it um but then also how that's false and how it's okay to be sad Mm -hmm. it's you know looking i want to reframe our thoughts when we feel a certain emotion around like why do i feel this way and it's okay i feel this way because this happened Mm -hmm. um And then having the strength to weather it. That's the part where I feel like therapy can help. Mm -hmm. Um, Because as people who struggle with mental illness, we can stick in these emotions that, you know, that beyond the appropriate timeline. Right. And when I was thinking about like, how do you know if it's, you know, how do I know if it's okay to be sad right now? Be- in okay, now I'm sticking with sadness and it's not leaving. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, what I was thinking about was if you can't feel joy in the moments where you should be feeling joy, that's when you know, okay, this isn't, it's not okay to be experiencing sadness right now. Does that yeah make sense?
1: yeah are you are you saying like what's the difference between just being sad as a normal human versus being depressed?
0: Yeah, I think for so long my view of happiness was that anything that wasn't happiness I shouldn't be feeling like oh mm-hmm. this is I need yeah. to fix this I need to get out of this feeling yeah And so I think reframing the like hurry up and hide the bad feelings and try mm-hmm. to and do whatever it takes to get to the good ones. Mm-hmm. It needs to be reframed to, it's okay that I feel sad right now because this is sad what's happening. Yeah. And knowing that, like, I'm not going to feel like this forever. Right. And then when a moment of joy happens or warmitude, experiencing that and saying, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, I feel this right now, and it's I might not feel this way tomorrow, but I'm going to enjoy it right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say that because I don't want to discount depression by saying, yeah, you should still be feeling, it's okay to feel sad because there's a period of time where it becomes not appropriate to keep feeling sad.
1: Yeah, I think it's a normal thing for humans to feel every emotion in in a single day. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's okay to feel sad for a prolonged period of time. I think we often, like, see sadness as this thing that's, like, a weapon against our um, satisfaction, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And it can – we guilt ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. into feeling like, well, why am I not happy? Yeah. And I don't know that, like, happiness is a thing that, you know – you can achieve that's not I I like yes you can do things in your life that bring you satisfaction mm-hmm. but like happiness like I, I don't know and I think it really depends on the person like my resting state is like pretty melancholy that's mm-hmm. just how I've always been um I'm just not like bubbly or cheerful it's just not who I am mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I don't feel happy yeah. sometimes it's just that's just not who I am so I think it's easier for me to lean into the sadness because I'm like this is just who I am
0: yeah <laughs> I appreciate that because for me it feels like my personality and how people would describe me is bubbly and like you know seemingly more extroverted. So when I don't feel that way, it feels like I'm not myself and I need to fix it. Like if there's a pie chart of our emotions, it feels like happiness should be the majority of the pie. Yeah. It feels like this thing that like should overtake any other emotion by a lot. And Mm -hmm. if it's not, then it's wrong. I think that's unfair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do think that's unfair. And I think as we get older, like I think when I was younger, I probably was a more bubbly person because I didn't know as much. I don't know. I think the world, knowing as much as I know about the world, it makes me more sad and it makes me a little bit cynical. And I was reading this article from this British writer who moved to L.A. And she was like, in, in England, we're just like born cynicists. And, <laughs> and she's funny. like, happiness feels like silly almost, like talking about it. And I moved to L.A. for my husband's job. And it's like the only thing anyone talks about here is being happy. Is is like this yeah this level of happiness. happiness. Yes, and like how are you getting it through mindfulness, through gratitude journals and through these selling of courses to to feel whole, to feel your happiest self. And it is it does feel like something we're constantly being sold to. Like read this book and you'll be happy. Take this course, eat probio take probiotics and you'll be happy. like all of these things and we're just like yeah, we're the most miserable generation. I know. Like if I can just lose 10 pounds, I would finally
1: be happy. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's oh, that is it. That it's like if only I do this, I'll be happy. Yeah. If only I moved to France with my family, I would finally feel I happy. I would
1: finally feel happy, but like that is it's kind of a fallacy. I mean, I can think of so many instances instances in my life where I have like said when I have X, I will finally feel complete. Mm-hmm. I do that with shopping.
0: Same. It is a momentary like spike of bliss. So yeah. Like admit. if I
1: could just have these jeans, I'd be good for yeah. like at least a year. Yeah. And then the jeans come, and I wear them once, and I'm over it. And then I yeah. want the next pair of jeans. It's it's just like the it's like the world doesn't satisfy. You have to find. It kind of goes back to this like almost Christian ideology of like, you know, you can't you can't rely on the world to bring you satisfaction. You yeah. have to sort of like find it. And that doesn't mean you have to feel fucking happy every day. It just means that you have to kind of look to yourself for those you have to know yourself and and know what can bring you joy aside from all of these worldly things but then it gets complicated because I'm like what brings me happiness and I'm like well I I love how I feel after I go to yoga but that's something I pay for yeah you know and it's like if I could only get into Royer three without falling like (laughs) I would finally be
0: happy like yeah like at least with yoga versus a shopping habit yoga is like you're you're like in a community atmosphere with it it's good for your body it's good for your mind like you're moving your body like you're doing things that chemically also help you yeah um does it seem does happiness seem like this like north star to you like do you make decisions based on if it'll make you happy or not
1: um I'm way more (sighs) this is ironic but I'm more purpose driven than I am happy driven yeah like I make decisions based on if I feel like it's going to bring me closer to like my purpose and what feels true to me Mm -hmm. I think truth is really my north star like what is the most true thing that I can do to myself yeah which gets me into trouble because I get like obsessive about like what it is and what's not true Mm -hmm. you know I think I've mentioned this before on this podcast but I used to go to this yoga studio here in Atlanta called West Side Yoga and (laughs) There is a saying on the wall in there that said there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. Mm -hmm. So take I mean, that's very existential and it's kind of like, what the fuck does that even mean? But to me, it means like you can't chase happiness. Yeah. Yeah. There is no way to you have to decide to be happy.
0: Yeah. That's kind of like. another girl I follow that lives in Paris said something like wherever you are there you'll be yeah that's and so it is it's kind of like it voids out the this will make me happy if like I'll only be happy if Mm -hmm. because you get that but then you're still you in your mind and your body at the end of the day Mm -hmm. Um, yeah like my mom always
1: (laughs) would say well wherever you go there you are
0: yeah exactly that's it
1: yeah it's yeah, I think we get really reliant sometimes on changing our circumstances to the point where, like, how, how radically can I change my life so I can finally feel some sort of...
0: I That is the motto of my life. Mm. I have made so many pivots in my life when things start to feel uncomfortable or not right. And can you
1: give me an example?
0: So I was in a freshman in high school, at a private school and I it wasn't what I thought it like I had I romanticize everything everything turns into a beautiful movie in my head and I've troubled just like Claire my daughter with the ordinary and so I was like once I go into high school it's everything's gonna be so much better like maybe I'll finally get a date like the guys will be older and more mature you know i get to go to party like all i just romanticized what high school was based on the movies and and then i got there and it sucked <laughs> and it wasn't as high school does and it wasn't what i thought it was going to be and i wanted to move schools and i kept thinking okay if i just go to the high school around my school then it'll be better and so then i moved schools i also like pitched this to my parents for like a full year i had a powerpoint i <laughs> what yeah Because they were like, no, you're not changing schools. No, it was like they wanted me at this private Catholic school. And so it wasn't happening. And then, you know, I go to Auburn. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Auburn. And then freshman year of Auburn, I was like, oh, I want to go to Georgia. I hate it here. This isn't what I thought college was going to be like. And the whole first semester, I hated it and tried to go to either FIT in New York or UGA. And I stuck it through and then I liked it. And then. I went to New York and lived there, and I came home December one year, and I was like – I went back to New York, and I was like, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I don't want to hear – I want to open up a men's store in Atlanta. I'm leaving, and I, like, left New York within three weeks. And so I, I romanticize things in my head. Like, I'll be happy with this picture in my head that I painted of what life will be like if I am not here and I'm somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I've done that my whole life. Mm-hmm. I thought marriage was easy and blissful and beautiful and we get married and it's hard. It's hard work. And I remember with some of our fights, I'm like, well, that's it. We're over because this is a big fight and it's not blissful and easy. So I've kind of done that my whole life in what was the hardest for me and what has – after the Uvalde – shooting in texas but at the elementary school i was like that is my last straw i'm out of here i need to keep my children safe i need to feel safe nothing is like this isn't it and i joined all the facebook groups for like expats in france i bought all the books for how to move there i was like looking at forms i was like reaching out (laughs) almost reaching out to pediatricians offices and little towns in France, because I was out of here. I was like, I will be happier if I'm there. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend, I have a friend who lives in um, Switzerland there, and I, you know, reached out to her about what life is like there with kids. So it, I was like, this is it, where this is, I'm not living here anymore and we're moving. And we couldn't. Like, Brian could not practice medicine there. He'd have to start over as a resident, go through the French, We'd he'd have to learn French. Like, it was, it felt so defeating and I felt so stuck Mm. and I'm trapped and I I was like okay I'm here like I can't go there I need to make the best of it and it kind of got me over the quick pivots that I've always been able to make in my life because I've now have more people to think about than just myself.
1: Mm -hmm. It goes to this concept that I think about all the time of like the other life. Mm -hmm. The life that you didn't choose. Yeah. And all of the micro and macro decisions that you've made to get you here. And I often feel like I'm stuck. Yeah, I have felt and when I feel stuck, I get so depressed when it feels like there's no way out of the current situation that I'm in. Mm-hmm. It's like so t- depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an excerpt in that book that I just gave you. Where is oh. that? Um, I flagged it because I knew that I wanted to eventually read it on this podcast And today is the perfect day for it. Okay. This is from Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. We are all living, at most, half of a life, she thought. There was the life that you lived, which consisted of the choices you made. And then there was the other life, the one that was the things you hadn't chosen. And sometimes this other life felt as palpable as the one you were living. Sometimes it felt as if you might be walking down Brattle Street and without warning you could slip into this other life like Alice falling down the rabbit hole that led to Wonderland. You would end up in as you would end up a, a different version of yourself in some other town, but it wouldn't be strange like Wonderland, not at all because you would have expected it all along and it could have turned out that way. You would feel relief because you had always wondered what that other life would have looked like and there you were. <laughs> mm. So, it's like this Yes, of course. You could move to France. You could finally feel like you were doing something, you know, that you had been dreaming of, painting this picture of for so long. Mm-hmm. But it's not really in the realm of reality. Like, the you know, it's yeah. not realistic right yeah. now. Yeah. It could be. But right now, like the instantaneous, like gratification of like, getting yourself unstuck it's the same reason why people hop from job to job yeah if I could just get this job I would just finally be happy yeah and nine times out of ten you get the job and you're like oh my god I have finally arrived and then four months later you're looking for a new job
0: (laughs) yes you know it's like
1: Yeah, what's the point of all this?
0: Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's why her why her quote is so powerful is because it gives you freedom to feel the other feelings and be okay with it and have them be okay.
1: Yeah, like like sure, you could have chosen a radically different life than the one you have. Mm-hmm. Sure. you didn't
0: yeah (laughs) it goes back to being present in my eyes Mm -hmm. you're not thinking in the future of what will make you happy and you're not looking back what could have made you happy you're just Mm -hmm. feeling it right now and that's the thing is that
1: when we have uncomfortable feelings we're like oh my god what can I do to get rid of these immediately we don't know how to lean into them yes There was a post about this by Cheryl Paul, whom we swear by. Some of the wisest words ever spoken when it comes to responding effectively to intrusive thoughts and big feelings are, let it be. Let the pain be present. Let the uncomfortable thoughts exist. When we don't try to ignore, bypass, judge, or minimize and just let it be, they pass. And we can continue to engage with what is most meaningful in our lives.
0: That's the same advice my therapist just gave me. Well. I wanted that tattoo so badly when I lived in Italy. Let it be? Yeah. I was like, this, I need to get it tattooed. My parents were like, that's a hard no, you're not getting that tattooed. And then I remember there was a period of time where I was like, oh, thank God I didn't get that. That's so chuggy. And then my therapist was like, it sounds like you just need to let it be. Like, you just need.
1: It's the activist in you. It's like the, it's like the. You have this like bias for action. Yes. And you're like, you see a problem, you spot an issue in your life and you're like, all right, I need to get on that. I need to fix it. Yeah. How am I going to fix it? How am I going to change the fact that, that I feel like my children might not be safe at school? We're going to mm-hmm. move to France. Yeah. Immediately. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. exactly it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are like that. Yeah. I mean, I can be, but I think I have, like, gotten more comfortable with the fact that my mind is, like, a minefield of just intrusive, bad, terrible, uncomfortable thoughts. I have a tendency to go to the worst-case scenario in... (laughs) I just had a physical last week, okay? Uh I had blood work done. Yeah. She did a super thorough panel... The only thing I'm deficient in is vitamin D, which okay. we knew. Yeah. Um, my white blood cell count was in a normal range, yeah. but it looked like it was on the low side. Uh huh. And so I'm like, well, that's probably not good. So I'm like Googling all this shit, and I like tell my husband about it, and Connor's like, you don't understand. The range. It doesn't matter that you're on the low end. It just matters that you're in the range. Do you mm-hmm. understand that? And I'm like, well, I don't have, I don't have as many as I should.
0: Oh, you know, that's like, that's such an overachiever in you.
1: But it's like, what? I'm just so ready. I feel so ready at any moment for someone to be like, you have an incurable disease. Okay,
0: and I I literally <laughs> had this thought last week, and then that happens, and you're like, I told you so, and then what? You're still f- stuck with it, and you're. It's almost like you. You didn't manifest it, but you were like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. It's a
1: self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah.
0: And then just to tell yourself that it happened instead of living these beautiful years.
1: Staying present.
0: Staying present. And then that happens. And you're like, well, at least I had these great. Instead, you're killing any goodness (laughs) with the anxiety of what could be. And yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. One part I thought was interesting was when she said, when someone is like, I just want my kids to be happy and how sociopathic that is. And I think that's the generation we were raised in. And in some situations, I think our parents' generation, kids' happiness wasn't even a thought. Kids were like things that you did. They were workers in the home. Kids, it was kids are to be seen, not heard. Like that was the um, motto at that time by a, a doctor. That was, I think he was a pediatrician actually. And then our parents kind of swung the pendulum to be like, okay, I don't want to be raised the way that my kid or my parents raised me. And so they were part of this parenting generation that was kind of like helicopter parenting where they emailed our teachers. They were very involved at the school and our grades and what we were learning, whereas my mom was like, I don't think my mom ever knew what we were doing, but I knew that if I got a bad grade, it would not go over well. Um, And Dr. Becky was – I went to her talk, and she was saying she had these very successful CEOs – you know, investors, like people in finance. I don't even know what they do. Finance people, (laughs) money people come in and they were talking about their anxiety and their depression. And then she would ask about their childhood. And they would say, oh, I had a great childhood. My parents met all my needs. They were very present. And then she was like, okay. And then she would hear stories like, oh, I didn't make the soccer team. So my mom like found a soccer team that was, 20 miles away and I tried out and I made that one and then oh I didn't get into this class and so you know my mom worked with the teacher and I was able to get in like you're like okay and you realize that our parents were so quick not my parent like you know the generation of parenting was so quick to take away any feelings of discomfort and replace it with happiness like oh look you got what you wanted that when we became adults and had to deal with that discomfort on our own, we're instantly like, "Hold on, why aren't I happy? Where's the happiness?" Where, and now we're like flailing because we don't know how to feel the discomfort and sit with it.
1: When you're in school, you get you have so many. This is a this is something that Taylor Swift actually talked about in her um, when she recorded Evermore. Mm. Um you've probably seen it when you're in school you have so many opportunities to get like praise and like she called it gold stars Mm -hmm. like think about it like every day at some point as a kid from like age 5 to 18 you were probably getting some sort of like good job yeah right yeah and especially if you're really smart and or talented or, 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 or something where you really excel at a sport or music or, you know, math, you know, and you're bound to have a good grade at least once a week where you mm-hmm. feel like validated that, oh, my God, I'm good at something. Yeah. And then you graduate. And then it's up to all of that sort of goes away. Yeah. And you're... You're still looking for that validation, though, because you've spent 18 or even longer years relying on validation from a teacher or somebody and or your mom or whatever. And then you get into the working world and suddenly it's like, maybe you'll get a compliment once a fucking year from your boss. Yeah. I mean, and you know there are people who have like really great bosses who like compliment them all the time I think but (laughs) I don't think that's the reality for the majority of people or if you're a stay-at-home mother like who is telling you
0: yeah great job no one okay (laughs) that's hard yeah your kids their ego is at the forefront of all of their actions. So. I
1: just feel like that's so, that's such a hard thing. And like, I live and die by validation. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i a words of affirmation
0: kind of gal. It all comes back to what you wrote on Substack. Are you proud of yourself?
1: I know. And it's like, how do you cultivate that? I, like, I think that's so great that you're teaching your kids that because like being able to cultivate that and let it sustain you. Mm hmm. You know, and like it doesn't have to be like I'm so proud of myself for getting um, a $50,000 raise. It can be I'm so proud of myself that I made the goddamn bed today. Yeah, exactly. And like when you can do those tiny things, like sometimes it's all you've got. <laughs> hmm You know, these days it feels like that's all I
0: have is these tiny things that I can say like.
1: I did that.
0: Um, There was one quote about happiness that I saw that um, felt so right. They called happiness the overachiever's trophy. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Okay.
1: I also think that if you're an overachiever, happiness isn't.
0: I don't think it's a possibility
1: really I don't think so like I think about the overachievers in my life as a recovering overachiever well
0: that's true because they hold on I'm at I'm like on the cusp of this thought okay it's because happiness is so just out of reach Mm -hmm. and perfection is just out of reach for an overachiever so it's like a constant strive for it. So that's yeah. why they call it that. It's like the overachievers trophy. You never you quite never get, get there. It. You never get it. Yeah.
1: Because happiness, true, like I think happiness is kind of a myth.
0: Yeah. It's like, or it's a moment. It's like, it's, it's a yes, moment. Yes, it's a moment and it's where fleeting. you're like, yeah. it's not linear. Yeah. It's not this like up and down hill. Like I'm looking, I'm thinking of a graph line graph in my mind where it's like up down up down oh and then we made it to the very top and we're happy it's and not we that. There. yeah
1: no, yeah it's don't. totally
0: it know it comes back to like cyclical it's a cycle you hit it and you keep going in a circle and then you hit it again and you keep mm-hmm. you know like it's
1: mm-hmm. it's
0: a fleeting emotion and you grasp it once you have it and you give it a big <laughs> hug and you like stay present in it and then you move on to something oh crap now I'm sad oh, now I'm a little bit anxious about this. Oh, I'm disappointed. It's like that movie Inside Out. (laughs) Have you seen it? of course. Yeah, it's like Joy keeps trying to get rid of sadness Mm -hmm. and all of the sad memories. And she realizes that sadness is just part of the equation. Yeah. Yep. We all have a little bit of Phyllis in us. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. That's Phyllis's voice. (laughs) I haven't seen that in a long time. It, Claire loves it. It's a cute one. It is cute. Um, do you want to do an upper? <sighs> God, <laughs> can you tell I'm in a mood? Um, <laughs> uh,
1: I think my upper was Rihanna.
0: Yeah, that was amazing.
1: Yeah, she. I just thought she just was so bad ass and was like, I'm up here doing the damn thing, however many months pregnant I am, and I'm not feeling the need to like. Show off anything. I am here because my energy is like beyond boss. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do this like really clever, genius product placement for my brand. And I'm going to like her, like, she is a masterclass in not giving a fuck. Yeah. She didn't do that show for anyone but herself. But
0: my upper. <laughs> When the all-female flyover happened, I was crying. <laughs> oh, that's nice. How? I didn't watch that. Talk it. about badass. I mean, those women defied all... Like, they're in a all-male institution. And to me, that's when it felt like inspiring seeing representation. Mm-hmm. You know, like when when all these people get up in arms about like oh they're just trying to meet a gender and race status quo Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah because it inspires first of all they're able second of all it inspires future generations and gives them permission to do that too
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Congrats. You made it to the end of our show. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and leave a review. If you didn't like it, don't worry about it. It will only cause us to spiral. We also want to reiterate that we are not experts, but please do call or text the people at the new mental health hotline at 988 because they are. Join in on the conversation on our Substack page at one fry
0: short pot. See you there.